to Brave Girls Club. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kelly. And I'm Krista. And, and this, this is, is a podcast. podcast. And we are here doing it. Well, not it, but we're podcasting. <laughs> we're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so um, we were talking before how we usually like talk about news articles at the beginning of the episode and like the only good one this week was that there's a video of an orangutan dressed as a ghost mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all i had to say <laughs> <laughs> that's the news for the week yeah. thank you goodbye is there are there any updates on that 16 year old murderer which oh, oh the the stabby girl mm-hmm. yeah no not yet yeah waiting on that one I'm about to do some real Jughead, like, mm-hmm. uh, from Riverdale sleuthing mm-hmm. to find out what's I'm going down. on, because Let's find a library to hang out in. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. That would be cute. To hang out at a library? Yeah. They'd probably tell us to get out. <laughs> I know. But. Like that. <laughs> we can, like, solve problems in there. Like that frozen yogurt guy, when we went to go get frozen yogurt the other mm-hmm. day, he like straight up was like, okay, you need to leave now. <laughs> like, Oh, did he? Yeah. He was like, you need to free up this table right now. And I was like, okay. Wait, what? When? We went to uh, Rainbow Frozen Yogurt mm-hmm. the other day uh, after we got lunch with Josh because he wanted to get lunch. Mm-hmm. And... We went to that frozen yogurt uh, shop, and, like, right as we finished our frozen yogurt, the shop owner came over and was like, okay, uh, I'm going to need, I'm going to have to ask you guys to leave now. (laughs) What? Okay. That's not right. What, was it, like, late or something? It was, like, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It was really weird. I had left before then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. So I didn't. That's weird. But that is weird. That's rude. Yeah. And it, it was wasn't really like busy, but it wasn't really that busy. No. And there are tables like outside. So like anyway, it was really weird. I was like, okay, I guess we're leaving this frozen yogurt store. <laughs> weird. Were you wearing like your resistance shirt or something? I had already left. I was gone. We were wearing normal clothes as far as I am concerned. Weird. I'm yeah. gonna write a bad Yelp review and I wasn't <laughs> even there. That was rainbow. Yeah. I guess the guy there is a jerk. Yeah. I don't know. It was really weird. Because that's the closest one to my house. He probably knows that we go to yogurt land all the time now and he's mad. Probably. (laughs) He's like, you betrayed me. He ages 20 years every time a new yogurt yogurt place (laughs) opens in the desert. (laughs) Oh, no. He's actually 14. (gasps) That's impressive. Yeah. Owning a yogurt store. Yeah. It's Um, very stressful. That's why his hair's white. (laughs) So I told a story that made Krista cry, and I'm going to tell it again on the podcast (laughs) because we weren't recording. (laughs) So when I was little, I went to my friend's sleepover birthday party, and there were, like, a bunch of girls there, and we were having fun, and we always like to play spooky games. And so my friend that was having the party told us about light as a feather stiff as a board and we were like "Ooh, let's play it 
And so my other friend laid down and we, you know, you all put like your two fingers like under like the body and then you like slowly like lift up and it's like girls like all in a circle and one girl laying down like in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing that and we're like doing it and we're all into it and we're like, wow, this is really working. And like, we're like slowly lifting her up. And then when she was in midair, she farted and everybody <laughs> dropped her, like straight up just dropped her. And then little girls are so mean. They, we, they all ran to the bathroom to wash their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and Krista was crying at that. Do you remember what kind of toot it was? <laughs> I think it was a good, like a, like a big one or a little one. It was like a loud, like like tight one though like but it was loud you know like, she was holding it yeah in. she was clenching those cheeks oh my but god but she probably got a little bit scared when she realized that she was like midair and was like huh. <laughs> <laughs> alec then... also told us a story about how was it high school yeah it was high school he like fell asleep in class once and it was like really quiet and then he tooted and woke himself up and everyone laughed at him. Aw, little Malik. <laughs> like a dog. Toots are funny. Yeah, That's toots cute. are so funny. I'm glad I'm not in school anymore because now You can't toot. Yeah. You can't toot. I don't want to be anywhere that you can't toot. True. You can in college. I'm just saying. I mean you can, but hold back as much as possible. People are gonna be mean. It's crowded. Mm-hmm. And also Not in film stinky. school. Stinky. You know what? Don't fart where there's like a big crowd. Like try to hold it in. Cause you know what I get like who whenever I'm at Disneyland, I'm like, who is constantly farting? Like whose ass <laughs> is just spread right now for and the whole world to down smell? And it's you. <laughs> yeah. It was me the whole time. <laughs> it's just like uh Disneyland always stinks. There's like, always that one asshole in line, like literal asshole in line that like farts and or, makes everyone else have to fucking deal with it. Or someone's goddamn baby's diaper that they won't get out of line to change real quick. And I'm like, ugh, babies. <clears throat> I get like so like amazed when I see newborn babies straight out the womb at Disneyland. Me too. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like you should not be here. Please don't come. Like here. I don't have any children. I don't have any right to tell anybody how to raise their kid or be a parent. But isn't that like dangerous? Like, I think you're supposed to like quarantine your baby for a month or so but after it's born. So it doesn't Disneyland, get her. Disneyland, there's so many people. Like you can like like bump it like I bump into like 20 30,000 people whenever I go to Disneyland if somebody even got close to bumping into me when I had my newborn baby in my arms I would kick them in the crotch true like and like what can you do with a newborn like you can't unless you're like passing it back and forth like so someone can like ride the rides and stuff it's just it seems like a hassle mm-hmm. Maybe like it's a big for, enough like, photos or something like to take pictures with the characters maybe that even then it just seems it's like, just too, like wait till they're one like what the fuck so they can remember like who cares yeah well, you can't Weird. remember when you're one, but... Like, when they're old enough to, like, actually, like, be, like, mm-hmm. cognizant of what's happening yeah. around them. Anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> Who wants to go first this week? I went first last week. I kind of want to go first this week. Okay. 
all right. Yeah. Mine is. No, Kelly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I quit. It's me. <laughs> well, okay. It's me. It's me. It's bitches. me. <laughs> it's me, bitches. That's what I said last week. <laughs> that is what you said last week. Last week, we had a, a power out in the middle of recording. That was spooky. That was fun. That yeah, was. Not really. I was very scared. My uh, power went out last night while I was uh, researching this. <gasps> like, just for, like, a second. Honestly, but. I was actually scared researching my shit last night that if the power went out, I probably would have quit this podcast because I'd be <laughs> like, first the demon voice thing, and now this. <laughs> like, something's going on with me. I need to stop. Well, last night was a little stormy. So it was, like, lightning. Extra spooky. Yeah. And then the power went out a little. I lit my Jesus candles just in case. There was light. Did you pray? Last night, huh? I did not pray. <laughs> there was Maybe lightning so bright last night that it like woke me up out of my sleep. I did not like through my window. That. I'm so happy I did not experience that because my parents are gone and I would have flipped my shit if I saw any lightning. I am like 900 percent a very light sleeper, so I like wake up for everything. I Aww, haven't read Krista. the whole Bible, but I'm pretty sure thunder is God's farts. You're no, right. it's he's bowling. Oh, <laughs> stupid! You can fart and bowl at the same time. No, people do it all the time. I think and you're thinking of freckles are angel poops. Oh man! No, they're angel kisses. God, you guys are getting this all wrong. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Who was baptized Mormon? At the same time. Me. I know about this. Okay, what? trust me. Yeah, it was weird. That's for when our other were, podcast. When things I learned. Eight, in. Wait, you were baptized Mormon? Yes. Don't you have to be like really old? Like eight, twelve, eight. Oh. <laughs> so like mi- mid, middle aged, middle aged baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. So you remember it? Not really. Oh. Turn it I off. I don't. <laughs> like like a light, light switch. switch. I only remember like vague, cloudy memories from before like twenty eleven. I don't really remember anything yeah. from before then. Everything that happened to me before 2014 is gone. Anything gone, that happened gone. to me before today, I'm just like, what? <laughs> You're like a goldfish. Yeah. Aww, I just reset every day when I wake up in the morning. I'm just like, wow, look at me living my life. Who am I? And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, this is what I look like. This is who I am. <laughs> and you Drew Barrymore from 51st Dates. Oh. Whoa. Poor Kyle. <laughs> Poor Kyle. Yeah, when when they like show when they're like actually together at the end of the movie, spoiler uh, alert, and she's like chasing him with a baseball bat because he's sleeping in bed with her and she doesn't know who he is. <laughs> I don't really remember that movie. Forever for the rest of your life. That's hell. Sounds pretty good. That's legit hell. It seems kind of like I don't know, like not a hundred percent morally okay to date someone like that no it does no how yeah. did, like how like i don't really remember this but how'd their wedding day happen like did I, they get I married think, yeah they get married and at the end she's like pregnant or something yeah and she, and she wakes up and she's like what the hell or something. <laughs> i don't know i don't remember it that is weird you should not date a person that is they can't remember you well i mean it's tricky i think she's faking it so she can <laughs> attack him every day that I would is do not that a bad idea. Yeah. To attack Adam Sandler every day. I was listening to Adam Sandler the other day. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> what? <laughs> like what? his like his his comedy album. Oh, okay. Oh. 
That's good. You guys never heard that before? He just talks to you? That's probably not normal. I was just listening to him. <laughs> what did he say? Adam Sandler told me to do it. I watched Little Nicky last week. Honestly, I'm an Adam Sandler fan. Like old, like movie. like like the young Adam Sandler. I love Billy Madison. I don't care. My problematic Remember faves. when we all watched Big Daddy together? <laughs> that was a weird night. That was a weird night. Why did we watch Big Daddy? I don't know. I like that movie, but I don't know. Like it's a movie that like I usually just watch by myself when I'm sick and in bed and have nothing else to do. Not like <laughs> with a group of friends. <laughs> That was weird. I had a good time. Yeah, it was fun. It was just oh, an interesting choice. Yeah, for, like, Krista definitely picked that movie. I 100% picked that movie. <laughs> oh, because of the little boy. Right? Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't know. A-L-M-A-O. Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Hit me up. Hey, do you guys want to get sad? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> so... The way I structured this, it's kind of like my lobotomy episode. So you guys got to sit through a little science lesson before I tell my story. Uh, Mom, I don't want to learn. I just want to hear about people's guts falling out of their fucking mouths. Well, you're going <laughs> to like this <laughs> because this is about radiation poisoning. Yes. Oh, like Mr. Burns. Is that what it is? <laughs> Isn't it? I, I don't really. There is a nuclear plant. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. Is it? I, I think I just, so. I don't remember that episode very well. I remember That's why his he's glowing. are dilated. We're going to have like so many big Simpsons fans like complaining. Uh, I've never seen a full episode of Simpsons, I don't think. <gasps> wow. Who are yeah. you? What was your childhood She's like? Mormon. <laughs> I was Mormon. I wasn't allowed to watch Degrassi until like 12th grade. Well, that's the best age for Degrassi. I was no, not it's interested. Not. That's that too old. That's I way was too old. I'm not interested at that point. Is a good age for Degrassi. I'm gonna watch Degrassi till I die. Okay, so radiation. Every day, <laughs> I know we're gonna get through. Ah, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I hold out, if I do, I, I know, know I can make it through. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, <laughs> when nuclear reactions get going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like a real episode of Degrassi. We're in yeah. science class right now. Is one of us going to buy a thong? <laughs> Not going to be me. Nope. You're the good girl. I do You're not Emma. want a piece of fucking rope chafing the inside of my butt cheeks. Like, how is that comfortable? A piece of rope? What do you think underwear is made out of? <laughs> rope? A burlap fucking potato sack? Like, what? Is that, is that not like what a Mormon thing? Rope? Undies, rope thongs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Jesus wore. <laughs> Is that what you wear, Kristen? Rope. No, thongs? I wear like boy briefs. They're comfy. That. Yeah. I'm gonna start comfy. wearing Boxer rope briefs. thongs. <laughs> Boxer briefs for life. Anyway. <laughs> Now I'm I just trying to learn about fucking science and radiation. Wait, oh who's my God. Kelly? Who's what? Who's Kelly's Degrassi character? She's I'm the girl. Snake. I'm the teacher. No, you're not. I'm the teacher that gets cancer. You are. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, either. Krista's Liberty. Liberty. I was thinking Emma. I feel, but Emma gets bad though. She does, does bad she? stuff. 
Well, like she, she acts a like a little gonorrhea, but it's like not a big deal. She like that's gets kind of bad. <laughs> like she goes through that whole like eating disorder thing. Oh yeah, and then like I don't know, she gets a little bit crazy. <clears throat> I can't stop eating sugar. Or I had ice cream today, and I had Rice Krispie treats all fucking day. So maybe I am Emma. Okay, <laughs> is that part of her character arc that she has a sugar addiction? If you're Emma, am I Manny? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Manny's cool, though, isn't she? I love Manny. She's the one that wears the thong and oh. shows her boobs. What about Ellie? She's the goth redhead. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Who else? Is- okay, hold on. Okay. Radiation. <laughs> what? I'm trying to talk about Degrassi. Something's going to be long. You know what? So Let's what? just take the BuzzFeed quiz after this, yeah. and we'll figure it out. Okay. Is there? Okay. This. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I'm Kelly. Actually- okay. This is our Degrassi episode. Okay. Malik is Jimmy. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I'm done. Someone else can go. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) So this is basically I'm going to explain what radiation is, how it harms people, and then I'm going to tell you a terrible thing that happened a long time ago. When nuclear reactions get going, they spit out particles with enough energy to rip electrons off of atoms and molecules. That's a scary sentence. Yeah. This is actually, like, we talk about serial killers and stuff like that and, like, disappearances, aliens, spooky stuff. But this is a thing that is 100% for real. And it could happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. Don't we all get a little bit of radiation every day? Yeah. I'm going to go over that. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay, so the altered bonds produce ion pairs that are extremely chemically reactive. This is known as ionizing radiation, but what really matters is how much ionizing radiation an organism is exposed to, a concept called absorbed dose. One way to measure absorbed dose is in units of grays. Large doses of ionizing radiation in a short time period lead to acute radiation syndrome, or ARS. The severity of ARS symptoms depend on the level of exposure. A radiation dose as low as 0.35 grays could feel a bit like you have the flu. Expect nausea, vomiting, headaches, fatigue, and fever. If the body is exposed to a higher dose, somewhere between 1 to 4 grays, blood cells begin to die. You could still recover. Treatment of this kind of radiation syndrome usually involves blood transfusions and antibiotics, but you could also suffer a weakened immune response due to a drop in white cell count, uncontrollable bleeding due to a <coughs> excuse me, due to a lack of platelets, and anemia due to a reduction of red blood cells. You'll also notice a kind of odd sunburn if exposed to two gray or more of ionizing radiation. Technically referred to as acute radiodermatitis, its effects include red patches, peeling skin, and sometimes blistering. Expect it to show up within 24 hours. A dose of ionizing ionizing radiation between 4 and 8 grays can be fatal, but the road to death still varies on the level of the exposure. Patients at this level suffer vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, and fever. Without treatment, you could die just a few weeks after exposure. Radiation is just particles. Alpha radiation is a larger particle made up of two protons and two neutrons. Beta radiation is made up of one electron particle, making it much smaller particle than an alpha radiation particle. 
but these are both massed radioactive particles because they are made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons, which themselves have mass. Gamma radiation, however, is made up of massless photons. Being massless means that radioactive particles means that a radioactive particle is the most penetrative of the three. It can penetrate pretty much right through your body. Zoom. That's sexual. <coughs> it kind of is. That's so intimate. Yeah. Gamma. So basically, gamma radiation is just photons with way more energy than the photons that make up visible light. A visible light photon has an energy of 1.5 to 3.5 eV, or electron volts. A gamma ray has an energy of 200,000 to 3 million electron volts. So let's say you get 7 gray of ionizing radiation. That is enough to kill you on average, even with good and immediate medical treatment. Getting seven gray of whole body radiation means that every ounce of your body has been exposed to as much as 200 trillion of these dangerous photons. Because the photons have so much energy, they are ionizing radiation. The photon goes shooting through your body, missing a lot of stuff because photons are small and atoms are mostly empty space. But eventually, the photon crashes into something, either an electron or an atom's nucleus, and it gets blown out of the atom. Suddenly, the atom is no longer a whole stable atom, making up a molecule. It's now an ion, and it can't be part of the molecule anymore because it has a charge. The molecule without the atom breaks. Maybe that molecule was a strand of DNA. Maybe it was a hemoglobin protein in a red blood cell trying to carry oxygen. Maybe it was a molecule of water, and now there's super reactive hydrogen and hydro hydroxide ions inside of your cell looking for the first thing to react with. None of this is good. <coughs> You're exposed to radiation all the time. However, in small doses, our cells have ways of fixing it, including killing the cell because the damage is too great. This is not a big deal at low rates. Your body makes new cells to replace old broken ones all the time. But this can't happen when every ounce of your body sees trillions of individual radiation events. Your body only has trillions of cells, so seven gray of ionizing radiation means literally every single cell of your body is exposed to hundreds of ionizing particles by itself. So in the end, too many of your cells are broken and they can't be repaired. You are the sum of your cells, and when enough of them die, so do you. That's the science part. Oh. Any questions? That's a bummer. That wasn't yeah. a question, but okay, sad. Yeah. It is a bummer? There, that's a question. So. <coughs> it is a bummer? Yes, it is a bummer. It is a bummer. I looked all that stuff up because I was pretty curious about it. That is very fascinating. Yeah, I, I always, I am super interested in like radiation injuries and like radiation sickness, but I wanted to know like exactly like why it happens, like why your skin falls off and stuff like that. So now you're going to tell us some terrifying story. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. We're going to find out whose fucking skin fell off right now. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. So <clears throat> I'm burping. I'm sorry. That's okay. Hotty. On September 24th, 1987, six-year-old Lita Ferreira oh threw no. up 10 minutes after eating her egg sandwich. The next day, her parents started throwing up too. 
Vomiting and diarrhea were followed by strange aches and burns. When Lita's mother, Maria, went to the public health clinic in Goyas, the doctor ascribed her symptoms to food poisoning and sent her back home. Lita's grandmother, who came to help her family, got sick too. Lesions crept over their skin and their hair fell out. Oh my God. The family's neighbors began to think they had AIDS. On September 28th, Maria dragged herself back to the doctor's office and deposited on his desk a small plastic bag filled with iridescent blue powder. This, she said, was the culprit. The doctor dismissed her claims as superstitious nonsense and admitted her to the Tropical Diseases Hospital. But another doctor at the clinic called a health physicist to test the mysterious bag. The next day, 112,000 people found themselves packed into Olympic Stadium, queuing at hastily constructed tents to be tested for radiation poisoning. Goania is the capital of the state of Goyas in central Brazil. About 1.3 million people live there. In 1971, a local cancer treatment clinic bought a radiation therapy machine. When the practice closed 14 years later, the administrators left the now obsolete machine in the abandoned clinic without notifying either the state or Brazil's National Nuclear Energy Commission. The deserted clinic went through the usual process of decomposition. By 1987, the building had been reduced to three ramshackle walls with large holes eating through the peeling sides. Homeless people slept there. The erstwhile treatment room contained human excrement and the still relatively intact radiological machine, which looks like a cross between an enormous telescope and a dentist chair. <sighs> what do you guys think is going to happen? Their skin's going to fall off. It might. You never know. The machine was finally discovered by Roberto dos Santos Alves and Wagner Mota Pereira, two locals who made their living selling scrap metal. On September 13th, the men brought a wheelbarrow to the dilapidated building, took apart the heavy outer assembly, and transported the inner canister back to Lita's uncle's scrap lot, where they got about $25 for it. When DeVere Ferreira's employees smashed the canister open, they found still another inner container. Ernesto, one of the employees, finally pried the capsule open with a screwdriver. His curiosity was rewarded with about a third of an ounce of sparkling, glowing blue powder. The consistency was variable. Some crystals were as big as rice grains, others the size of dust. They were held loosely together in a crumbly cake, which Ernesto broke apart and sifted through with his fingers. Witnesses later said they remembered him calling it carnival glitter. Ernesto chose one of the bigger blue crystals to make a ring for his wife. He put it in his front pocket and went back to work. <laughs> the powder enthralled everyone. Devere began to suspect that it might be supernatural. His brother dipped a finger into the dust and drew a cross on his abdomen. Maria slept in bedclothes covered in the sparkly blue dust. Neighbors and acquaintances came to the Ferreras' home to take some of the mystical powder for good luck. Six-year-old Lita rubbed the powder all over her arms so that she glowed and sparkled. The bedclothes of the house and the girl were covered in crystals. So was the egg sandwich she later ate for lunch. The blue glitter wasn't magical, but it did have some powerful properties. The salt, called cesium chloride, was used in the radiotherapy machine. As its active ingredient, cesium-137 decays, it emits two radioactive products, 
beta particles and gamma rays, both of which damage the body. Beta particles are simply electrons. They travel slowly and without much force. At worst, external exposure irritates the skin, causing a sunburn-like reddening called beta burn. But skin cells are tough enough to easily block beta particles from doing any internal damage. But when they're ingested, the story changes. The same sluggish travel... I'm sorry. The sluggish, the same sluggish travel capacity that makes them relatively harmless outside the body makes them more harmful inside, where all their energy is trapped inside a tiny radius. The more energy the electron burns into each cell, the worse the damage, and the more DNA strands are broken. The other product of cesium-137 cesium decay is gamma radiation. Gamma radiation are photons just like visible light, but with about 10,000 times as much energy. Gamma rays are more penetrating than beta particles, in fact, more so than X-rays. They barely notice the skin as they glide through organs, muscle, and bone. Because they are so deeply penetrating, they may not hit any cells at all, but just pass through the body without interaction. Whether they hit a cell or pass through depends on how much radiation is emitted by the source and how close the person is to the source. The corollary of beta burn is called thermal gamma burn, but instead of irritating the skin, it fries the organs inside the body. The larger particles Lita had rubbed on her skin adhered to the sandwich and wreaked havoc on the inside of her stomach and intestine cells during digestion. The finest crystals clung to the dust she breathed in and drifted into her lungs. Sorry. So, sorry. <clears throat> the time it takes to die of radiation poisoning depends on how the exposure compares to background radiation, the normal amount of radiation a person can expect to receive from the natural environment. That's around 0.002 gray per hour, a gray being the standard internal international unit of absorbed radiation dose. If gamma radiation can be thought of as a steady stream of progressively more lethal bullets, the gray measures how many of those little bullets will hit during a given amount of time. A dose of four to five gray, 30,000 times the background levels kills all the body's red and white blood cells. The death of those, these cells destroys the immune system and opportunistic diseases can roam free. The exposed individual dies within a few weeks. Once Brazil's National Nuclear Energy Commission realized the magnitude of contamination, the organization cast a wide net to test as many people as they could. They flew 54 severely contaminated people to a hospital in Rio de Janeiro, where they put in reverse where they were put in reverse isolation, which instead of protecting the staff from a patient's infection, protects patients with compromised immune systems from infections caused by something as innocuous as a fungus or a common cold carried by a nurse's aide. Hospital staff had to decontaminate patient's skin anew every day using a mix of soapy water and diluted acid because their sweat kept recontaminating their own skin from the inside. The mm. first task, however, was to remove as much of the internal source as they could. When you're internally exposed, the first thing you want to do is just get it out of your body by any means necessary, says Jonathan Links, a health physicist at Johns Hopkins University and the former president of the Nuclear Medicine Society. You start with brute force, lavage, laxatives, just whatever gets what's inside out. In addition to brute force tactics, they tried chemical methods. 
Prussian blue is a chemical agent that works by bonding to the radioactive particles inside of, this, inside of the body. These are then secreted through the normal pathways, urine, feces, and sweat. Most of the 54 survived because they were exposed to less than one gray. However, several people lost fingers and 23 people were treated for localized radiation burns. Five required skin grafts. Ernesto, the scrapyard worker who had sifted lovingly through the entire cake of fairy dust, received intense thermal gamma burns on his hands and on his right thigh, where the cesium-137 chunk intended for his wife's ring had burned through his trousers. The men who had dismantled the cancer therapy machine in the clinic fared badly. According to the official report, Pereira and Alves had been exposed to doses around four gray from the moment they had moved the giant machine. Both men had complained of vomiting, diarrhea, and vertigo within days of their initial exposure, and Pereira's hand was severely swollen and burned. Like Lita's father, he had been initially diagnosed with a reaction to tainted food. Late in October, two of Devere's other workers died of internal hemorrhaging. For Lita and her mother, the only care the hospital could offer was palliative. Lita had an in estimated internal dose of four gray. That's just from inhalation and digestion. And she died on October 23rd, on the same day as her mother. She was buried in a lead coffin sealed with concrete. Yikes. So that's how radiation kills you. Where did this happen at? Uh, Brazil. Dang. Also, the father whose wife and uh, baby died, he was exposed to, like, seven plus gray and somehow survived. But, like, after his whole family died, he drank himself to death. So, it's all bad. Jeez. Damn. <laughs> pretty fun and i wanted to do like a bunch of stories too like i wanted to do that one and i wanted to talk about fukushima and chernobyl and fat man and little boy i wanted to talk about all of them but well, you should because i don't know any of those oh they're so scary i did a project for my urban pollution class about radiation i don't remember what the location was though it was, like, bigger than the Chernobyl disaster, though. <coughs> really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Chernobyl and Fukushima are supposed to be, like, the largest. They're, like, a seven on the INEF scale. I don't yeah. know what else there is. I don't remember the name, but it was, like, in Russia somewhere or something like that. Oh, that sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, I can't remember. But Isn't there a movie about that? Oh, I'm sure there's It has several. Jesse McCartney in it, and yeah. it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Jesse McCartney? He sang that song that goes. Dun, 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 dun. Psh. Dun, 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 dun. I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. I don't want my love to go to waste. I want <laughs> Kelly and her beautiful song. That sounds yeah. familiar. So yeah, he was in that movie. It was called The Chernobyl Diaries. Is he the elephant foot? Yes. Wow, that's great casting. Yeah, they did a great job on that, but everything else about that movie was all... It was trash. So, who wants to go next? Me. 
Sorry for the bummer, guys. It's okay. I felt okay. like I liked that one. Science-y. I felt like I learned something today. You know. Yeah. Which uh, which type of radiation is the worst? I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't expect it to be that fun. But I just had to I do it. I think the story was fun. Yeah, well, it's so sad. All their hair fell out and their skin fell off. And their organs rotted out. There's nothing you can do. Well, do you want to go, Krista, or should I go? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. Mine's mine's a long boy, so. Mine's a little long, too. It's going to be a long episode. <laughs> this is going to be a long episode. Okay, I can I can go. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I was laying down sleeping. Just kidding. Like, <laughs> Kelly. Damn. I'm just kidding. Like I'll do a fun a... one next week. You always do crazy ones. It's good to... I don't know. I liked yours. Thank you. I always like your guys' stories. Because I don't know anything, so it's... I'm always surprised. Like, I've never heard of... Most of the things. Anyways... <laughs> I'm doing the real story of The Exorcist. What? The the book and the movie were based off of. Is this the German girl? No. Okay. No. Never mind. Everybody thinks that she's, that that's what the movie is based off of, but it's not. Well, then I'm about to learn something. So... I'm doing that, and I'm also doing the cultural impact that the movie had on the world. This is our educational episode. And um, I want to start by saying (laughs) that I am in no way religious, (laughs) and a part of me wants to believe in this because it's fun to me. And I don't want to offend anybody with not knowing anything about the Catholic religion. It's just a story to me that I think is spooky and fun. And it's a part of history. And I do not doubt that. And so that's just where I'm going to go with that. Disclaimer. (laughs) All right. little disclaimer there. Our disclaimer is just that we never know what we're talking about. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like my tag me, I'm a little dumb, okay? And I'm <laughs> sorry if I make you mad because I know nothing. Um, again, and another thing is that this story is incredibly long and has a lot of details because it was very well documented and there were like 20 something witnesses to this. And. Dang. So if there's holes, I'm going to try and like patch them as well as I can. I kind of had to try and cut and paste this story together to make it not incredibly way too long. So here we go. The movie The Exorcist was based on a true story from 1949. A boy was diagnosed as being possessed by the devil, and the Roman Catholic Church believed this enough to assign multiple exorcists to this case. A supposed total of 26 people have been said to have witnessed the horrible things that happened during these exorcisms, and it was apparently so terrifying to those who were involved that books were written about it and movies were made. 
It is considered today as one of the scariest movies ever made, and so many stories borrow and steal directly from this story that it is hard to see where one begins and another ends. The setting is 1949 in Cottage City in Maryland. It involved a 13-year-old boy called, quote, R, the letter R, whose identity had been kept a secret for many decades. It was not, in fact, a female, as the movie suggests, but her name in the movie is Reagan, which mm -hmm. starts with an R. Um, to this day, the boy has never spoken publicly about what went through. For a little bit of background, neighbors and friends such as Dr. Alvin Kegi, um, who lived in this area and went to the same school as this boy, described him as quiet, unpopular, not very athletic, but was very studious. He was Me. also <laughs> slightly withdrawn. Me. Uh, to the outside world, his family was very pleased to be a part of the working class. All in all, Dr. Kagi cl claims that the family was a plain old normal family. But in the summer of 1948, their lives would be forever changed because it was this summer that the boy's aunt decided to teach him how to play with a Ouija board. There's one literally right there. Yeah. <laughs> we sit like right next to one every time that we record. I sleep with one under my bed. That's night. like how all the Conjuring movies start. Mm -hmm. With a Ouija board under the bed. Mm -hmm. All two of them. Every <laughs> single two. <laughs> this in itself does not seem as if anything could happen. But after a few weeks of constantly toying around with this Ouija board, the aunt who had taught the boy unexpectedly died due to what could only be classified as natural causes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's spooky because she was like <laughs> teaching him how to play with it and then she just like died out of nowhere. She was also like 94. No, she they wasn't. She wasn't mention. that old. She natural, really wasn't that old. Natural causes just doesn't sound scary. You should say mysterious causes. Okay, there you Undetermined. go. Undetermined. Natural, like natural causes could like, be anything. Like hypertension or she got hit by bus. Mm -hmm. That's not natural, but. Back then it was, though. People got hit by buses that much? Well, if, like, you, if, if you got hit by a bus, like, you naturally died from getting hit by a bus and it was just like <laughs> like a nature bus yeah like a, a safari wild safari made bus. by a tree <laughs> i read about that too though like the whole natural causes thing and it's not going to make sense when i talk about it because i'm dumb but <laughs> everything dumb. was like a lot of things were classified as natural causes even though like now it wouldn't be classified as that anyway <laughs> shortly afterwards this boy and even his family started to notice strange occurrences. Unusual sounds such as unexplained thumping, tapping, and banging coming from an otherwise empty upstairs or objects moving on their own such as the chandelier swinging or portraits of Jesus Christ banging against the wall as if moved by some invisible force. Additional sounds heard included a frantic scratching and or knocking from under the floorboards, but 
In their denial, the family blamed this on rodents and attempted to call in pest control, who in turn discovered absolutely nothing. As time went on, the family began to believe that maybe these strange events were happening because the aunt was attempting to communicate with them from the afterlife. As nights went by, the intensity of these noises only grew and grew, and the house echoed with the noises of what could be described as a large group of people marching. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's spooky. And even after that, events took a shocking, powerful turn uh, when the mother walked in once to find the entire bed with her son in it shaking and rattling violently. This changed the entire game. Suddenly, it was not a fun or cute little communication from the afterlife, and the family began to have doubts that this was from the aunt at all. This was not the only thing that was recorded either. Additional uh, pieces of furniture around the house began to move of its own free will as well such as um, dressers, night tables, coffee tables, etc. Um, as mentioned above, Dr. Kagi had another story um, that will make your brain freeze for a second as well. Uh while Mr. Kagi's father in 1949 was in this boy's house, he vividly recalls an instance where the boy was sitting in a chair and then quickly, without any warning whatsoever, he was thrown completely out of the chair and landed multiple feet away. This was the first time that someone outside of the family had witnessed an event such as this and began to suspect that something abnormal was going on here. It was also said that once night fell, the boy's behavior became dramatically, intensely, and increasingly disturbing. Marks, bruises, scratches, and welts began appearing on the boy's body without any indication that something had been done to physically react the way that his body was. To this day, these markings have, have and probably never will be explained. As most people do, the family of the boy began to exhaust their options. They obviously went to doctors and then to the county uh, psych uh, psychiatrist um, and uh, different like professors and doctor professionals as well. More or less, they were trying to rule out certain aspects of the vast array of things that could potentially be wrong with are. Surprisingly enough, shrinks found nothing, so they contacted they contacted the Catholic Church as a last resort. Father Hughes uh, first met the the boy in February of 1949. Um, and Father Bober, which is a funny name to me. <laughs> that is a funny name. Bober. Um, explains that Hughes mentioned to him that upon the moment of meeting the boy, he noticed a very dark stare, almost as if there were nothing behind the eyes. Mm. He also noticed that immediately the boy seemed to be staring hard at the books Father Hughes had placed across the table, one of which being the Bible. 
This is a classic symptom of possession as the person afflicted with this seems to have deep-seated aversion or hatred to all things sacred, including the books of scripture, crucifixes, idols, um, icons, medals, and so on. While the belief of demonic possession is a shared one that spans many religions and cultures, it is most closely tied to Christianity and more closely with the Roman Catholics. Um, the actual rite of exorcism is an ancient one. It dates back to officially being formally written in the 16th century, but uh, exorcisms have been performed for thousands of years, most notably by Christ himself. Really? Yep, apparently. I need to re read that Bible book. I know. Everybody I keeps talking that. about it. <laughs> You don't remember that, Krista? That wasn't that. in the Book of Mormon? No. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> Fake. <laughs> okay, so this is when I jumped a little bit. So sorry if there's a little bit of a hole here. Um, almost from the start, uh, I get um, this is like the start when the exorcism actually began. Um, I think when they started the first one, cause they did, they had to do like a billion. Anyway, almost from the start, this child began to forcibly spit at the priests, threatening them with violence, commanding them to leave and making vulgar sexual propositions towards, um, all the people in the room, but not to be uh, deterred father Baudrin. Oh, 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 okay. I remember now. Um, father Hughes, sat in at another exorcism that was happening before he conducted his own and was like, like totally like injured. Like some, like a chair was thrown at him and he was like completely injured. So another guy named father Baudrin, um, picked oh. this one up. Whoa. So he like dropped out from it. Like he didn't want to do it anymore. Heck no. And father Baudrin was like, Younger and hotter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, but sure. Probably. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. Father Baudrin and his um, priests recited the exorcism prayers every night straight for a full three weeks. Pinning the boy down frequently due to his violent outbursts was not uncommon and actually became rather common, in fact. Uh, one of the priests recorded in the diary that the blows this boy was physically delivering were far beyond the strength of an ordinary boy of his age. He was seriously injuring large, grown men. As an act of desperation at times, the priest even held a pillow over the boy's face to stop him from swearing. What? The marks continued to appear, sometimes forming words, sometimes not. There were more frequently appearing periods of um, uh, loose, sorry, lucidity, lucidity when the boy would appear calm and cool, but still somehow calculating in that little brain of his. They decided that the best course of action would be to baptize the boy in an effort to strengthen his resistance through the sacraments. The belief was that once they, ano the, they anointed this boy as a converted Catholic, he would be subject um, more so to the spiritual power of the Catholic Church and its priests, thus uh, 
assisting the priests with the progress towards liberation. When they attempted to force the boy to take the communion by accepting the communion wafer, it was said that this, sorry, it was said that this was one of the fiercest bouts of resistance that this boy had ever put up and he and he fought tooth and nail against this. Finally, the boy did wind up accepting the communion wafer, but the results were not as expected. This only increased the resolve of the demons within. But then, days later, in an event that shocked all of those who were present in the middle of nowhere, um, in the middle of one of the worst displays of violence and hatred the priests had ever seen, are for the first time um, in many days spoke in a clear voice and declared, quote, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael and I command you, Satan and other evil spirits to leave the body now. <laughs> Just like that? Yes. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> and... Um, I read this whole thing about who St. Michael was, but I forgot all about it because it was long and I'm sorry. <laughs> but St. Michael was a good guy in the Bible, I guess, pretty much. <laughs> that what, that came into that body to pull St. now that boy. <laughs> I would go to church if you were the preacher. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? Shit, the Satan part. Okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Satan part. <laughs> After what was believed to be the intervention of Michael. <laughs> Walking on sunshine. R attended mass finally, and for the first time he seemed at ease. Only a few days after the family returned home to the cottage, to Cottage City, their hometown, and quietly slipped back into the way things used to be, entering their old routines, taking part in their old life, and moving on. The parents were a bit more reserved now than they had been before, obviously. And things <laughs> um, began to get back on track for the family. Excuse me, sorry. The boy went back to school and never... Um, exhibited any strange behavior such as what was previously seen again. He eventually went on to work for NASA and even now the boy chose and requested the priests and authors to keep his identity a secret. And that's the end of the story. Ooh, you know how that wow. story ends? Hmm. He looks into the camera and then his eyes turn red. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like at NASA. Yeah. And then a spaceship blows up. Yeah the end um that's not the end end sorry oh, okay. uh, i still am going to talk about the <laughs> no movie that was real quick. my fault i'm oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so this is the story of the true ordeal behind the exorcist movie this movie was responsible for spawning an intense debate of religion versus science. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and was a blockbuster hit. While many of the scenes in the movie, The Exorcist, were exaggerated within the small world of actual exorcists, they all claim that the movie is strikingly accurate. Exaggerations aside, the content and... 
Many actions of Reagan in the movie are claimed to be rather identical to some things that real-life exorcists have seen, minus the buckets of uh, shooting pea soup and 360-degree head turning. Well, you don't, you never know. Yeah. It could happen. And um, the book um, was written by William Blatty, which I thought was so weird because I researched him and he was a comedy writer his entire life until he wrote The Fucking Exorcist. That's cool. Yeah, that's That tight. is cool, but like, what the hell? Like, that's so crazy. And um, there is a great piece of film it's like my favorite thing it's on youtube you can look it up just look up like the exorcist documentary and it is like this news um kind of a thing that um it was like it's very 70s and the movie first opened in only 24 theaters in the united states and are you okay? I'm hungry. <laughs> oh my god. Malik's stomach is talking. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so. It's okay. So the movie only like only opened in 24 theaters across America at first and made over $2 million in the first like week. And that's crazy. And the whole little like film thing it's like 20 minutes long or something like that um it's just great because it's like all these people it's like super 70s all obviously because that's when it was filmed and it's like people would wait out in these lines like like straight up twilight lines like times like 10 (laughs) twilight lines yeah when i used to wait outside to for to see twilight like almost every movie when i was Me and my mom would do it. It was like our thing we did together. But people were doing this for The Exorcist and people reacted in a way that I don't think any movie in history has made people react. People would run out of the theater crying, barfing, like totally like vomiting, freaking out, like staring into space. There was in there's actual footage of people running out and there was this one girl that was like controllably like uncontrollably laughing and like it like fucked with people and they thought it was so like the scariest shit they ever seen which is so funny because you see it now and it's like it's like almost a comedy like it's still funny but when she's like fuck me like it's hard to not laugh (laughs) yeah and then like her makeup is like cheesy and like the pea soup stuff everywhere it's just so funny but it's crazy that like people were so scared of this movie and there's people in that thing that were like i waited four hours for this last night and i waited and i couldn't watch the whole thing so i came back tonight to see it again to see if i could sit through the whole thing wow wow and i want to rewatch it people went crazy over it i don't think i've ever seen it what really it's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. I mean, like, I know the movie, yeah. but... I mean, yeah. I've only seen, like, bits and pieces. I've never seen the whole I thing. I remember that being one of the first horror movies I ever watched. Yeah. I remember watching it with my sister when I was probably too young to watch it, and we watched it, like, right after The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. <laughs> okay. It was, like... Uh, 
like before it was actually like before Christmas Mm -hmm. and it was like, I don't know. It was like a weird experience. Mm -hmm. It is pretty scary. It is. It it, it is scary. It scared me when I was little. It, I, well, I don't think that my parents knew I was watching it like cause they were (laughs) watching it and I was like peeking the whole time. Cause I always used to do that, but, (laughs) um, yeah, I love that one. And that little girl that plays Reagan, mm-hmm. so good. Such a good little actress. Yes. And the stuff that she must have been, like, put through, just crazy. She does, like, um, horror conventions and stuff now, I think. Probably. Yeah, she's had a pretty terrible career since then. Yeah. But she's really good in The Exorcist. Yeah, <laughs> she is. And um, who plays the mom? I don't know. She's good in it, too. Everybody's good in it. It's a great movie. It has um, Max von Sydow. He's the old priest. priest. But Mm -hmm. when it was filmed, he was actually young and just wearing a bunch of, like, prosthetic makeup. Mm -hmm. And he's my friend's grandpa. Shout out to Christa. Really? Oh. Whoa. Christa von Sydow. But he's, like, in a ton of stuff. He's, like, an incredibly famous and talented actor. Mm Mm-hmm. But I heard he's kind of a butthole. Maybe. You know. But The Exorcist was one of the first movies that got me into horror movies, I think. And I had always been fascinated with, like, demon-y stuff, devil-y stuff, (laughs) witchy stuff. Do you remember, like, any of the first horror movies that you saw when you were, like, really young? 13 Ghosts. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so young. (laughs) 2001 baby what's up i remember seeing like the leprechaun when i was a kid and i thought it was really scary and like gremlins my dad it it was constantly watching scary movies my dad still to this day will go on netflix he's one of those guys those people that go on netflix and pick one of the awful shitty ass horror movies that are on there and watch the whole thing somehow and I'm always like, Dad, stop. This is so bad. <laughs> so that's who those are for. Yep. My dad. <laughs> Shout out to Butch Davis. But, yeah, I was really excited to do that one. I'm trying to, because of, I thought that my story was so good last week and I thought that I did a really good job on it. I'm trying to pick things that I'm, like, more passionate about now yeah. so I can, like, talk about it and be ex- more excited about it and actually. Yes. It's definitely funner. Yeah. Yeah, those this week and last week were both really good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's the Ooh. end of my story. Go, Lindsay. Look at me go. Woo! <gasps> Her eyes just glimmered red. Mm. Like the, at the end of um, the Thriller music yeah. video. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> and his eyes are red. <laughs> That's one of the first horror movies I ever watched. I think the Thriller music video. <laughs> one of the... F- first horror movies that i remember watching was the ring oh Oh, yeah yeah, that's an early one for me too ghost ship (laughs) oh ghost ship was terrible except for that opening scene i will never forget it i don't think i remember that the opening scene i i I know the cover of it because my dad had it but i don't remember the the skull on it yeah yeah Uh what's the opening scene where um everyone pretty much gets slaughtered because like the the like a cable snaps and everyone gets cut in half during oh, the ball that's tight. i'm gonna have to watch that yeah just watch the scene it's on netflix 
Mm-hmm. I some of them I like bad. That um, opening scene is like on YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Yeah, like all over the place. I so. love bad horror movies, but it has to be entertaining. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like I think Ghost Ship was a little boring, except for that part. I don't oh, remember okay. anything else about it, but that scene. Yeah, it's so. like only one girl survives because she's like so short that it just goes over her head, and then yeah. she haunts the. Do you ship. like Thirteen Ghosts? I love Thirteen Ghosts, and people I people talk so much shit about Thirteen Ghosts, but Thirteen Ghosts is my fucking jam. It's so silly. It's so silly. I think it's just like not what people want it to be. Yeah, and they can't handle its uh-huh. brilliance. Mm-hmm. And I remember idiots. that being the first time seeing a uh, woman's boobies that weren't my mama's <laughs> within that movie. <laughs> oh, but they're like ghost boobies, right? And they're very so they big scary. and balloon fake boobies. Whoa. And covered in blood. And I remember being like, whoa, that chick is fucking scary. She was the scariest one to me. <laughs> yeah. Was that girl. She's when she's like in the shower up. and she's like. Ugh. And I'm like, uh, that and the big baby with all the throw up all over him. Oh, I don't really remember. I watched it for the first time recently, like last year. Oh, and really? I like drank a bunch of beers. It was a ton of fun. I, remem- I, should, I should watch it sober. I remember like begging my dad to buy it. Because somebody told me about it. Anyway, Krista, sorry. That's okay. It's, it's Krista's turn. I'll try and do this fast because mine's kind of a long boy and I know we've been, well, this is kind of a long episode. We should just so. tell <laughs> Luciano to cut the Degrassi conversation. With no, no. Uh, never. We keep it. Cut okay. my story never. before okay. we cut Degrassi. Okay. Okay. So I did a murder, of course. All right. So this one is uh, the story of Catherine Mary Knight. So she was one of a pair of twins. Sorry. What? Mary Catherine Gallagher. <laughs> Just like <laughs> went through my head. Okay. Almost. Almost. Is so, that what this is? Yeah. Superstar. <laughs> she just wanted to be famous and have her first kiss. Um, so Same. she was one of a pair of twins born on October 24th, 1955 to parents Ken and Barbara Knight in Aberdeen, New South Wales, Australia. Home life was very rough for everyone in the Knight household, as her father, Ken, was physically and sexually abusive toward her mother, Barbara. Oh, man. He would often rape Barbara up to 10 times a day. (gasps) We know this because Barbara would share the details of the rapes with Catherine and her twin sister. Oh, my God. And often drilled into their heads that men were scum and that she hated sex. Once when uh, she was older, Catherine tried to confide in her mother that she had a boyfriend who wanted her to do some sex act that she wasn't comfortable with. And her mother basically told her to suck it up and stop complaining. (gasps) So uh, Catherine was also sexually abused by other members of her family until around age 11. My God. Yeah. Why are you (laughs) telling this? This is horrible. Well, it gets more interesting. All right. All right. So, uh. Despite her horrible upbringing, she did well in school, except for her random outbursts of uncontrollable violent rage. Of classmates, her classmates were afraid of her, and she was most definitely remembered as a bully. She often assaulted male classmates with weapons and even attacked a teacher once who ended up injuring Catherine in self-defense. She dropped out of school at age 15 to pursue what she described as her dream job, which was a, at a local abattoir cutting up offal, which is a pleasant way of saying disemboweling animals at a slaughterhouse. Fucking ew. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she Same apparently right did so well at that job. She did so well at that job that she, uh, they promoted her to the boning department. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Which is <laughs> bone collector. She was just removing the bones from the carcass after the rigor mortis uh, set in. So as a promotion, as a promotion gift, uh, the slaughterhouse gave her a set of butcher's knives, which she hung over her bed at night in case she needed them. Of course, in your bed, yeah, need your knives, of course. In 1973, she met David Kellett. He was always drunk and often found himself in fights, in which Catherine would back him up, beating up, uh, beating the absolute shit out of everyone and everything. She bullied David Kellett into marrying her in 1974. <laughs> And arrived at the ceremony on a motorcycle. That's what I'm going to do to Luciano. Yeah. I'm going to bully. bully him and marry me. And then show up on a motorcycle. At the wedding, Catherine's mother, Barbara, from before, uh, told David, and I quote, You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. She told you, or she told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. Her own mother said that on the wedding day to (laughs) the groom. What's up, my life? (laughs) So later mom's going to go up to Kyle and be like, listen here. She's got a screw loose. (laughs) Are you sure you want to go through with this? She's going to fucking kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Poor David's like, ugh. So later that night, on the night of the wedding, Catherine tried to strangle David because he fell asleep after only having sex three times with her that night. Well, that's understandable. Only three times? And she wasn't done, apparently, and so she tried to kill him. Fortunately, fortunately, he survived, but he was too frightened to flee. So Catherine soon became pregnant and continued to abuse David throughout her pregnancy. One night after he came home late from a darts competition, David entered the home <laughs> to find this fucking story. <laughs> Australia. A darts competition? He actually did really well. I think he it was like the like the finals too. Like he was he was pretty good at it. He's what a, a pro darter. So uh, he entered the home to find Catherine burning all of his clothes and shoes. She then attacked him with a frying pan, striking him in the head. He was able to flee and made it to a neighbor's porch before collapsing. They had him taken to the hospital where he was treated for a fractured skull. Charges were never brought against her for this incident because she convinced David not to. Oh, boy. Thankfully, after the birth of their child, David left Catherine and moved out. The day after he left, Catherine was seen taking her new baby for a walk, violently jerking the stroller around on the sidewalk. She was taken to a hospital and not released for several weeks. Right after her release from the hospital... Catherine took her baby to this train station and left the baby on the rails shortly before a train was due. Luckily, a homeless man named Old Ted found the child and, and was able to save her just minutes before the train arrived. Australia, man. <laughs> old Ted. Yeah, Old Ted. I guess he was, like, locally known. Like, yeah. he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Catherine was taken back to the hospital but signed herself out the next day. A few days after that, she attacked a woman with a knife and demanded that the woman drive her to find her now ex-husband. The woman was able to escape at a gas station, 
but while the woman was out finding help, Catherine took a small boy hostage and threatened to kill him with the knife. Oh my what god. What is this problem? <laughs> Police disarmed her with brooms and readmitted her to the hospital. This sounds like a Mad Lib. <laughs> where, where she disarmed her with blank, pick a household item, broom. broom. <laughs> So she she was readmitted readmitted to the hospital where she admitted that she was going to kill the gas station attendant next because he helped repair David's car, allowing him to get away from her. Yeah, what an asshole. David was informed of the incident and he moved back to the city to help take care of her. She God, was this guy's sucker. Oh yeah. She was released in nineteen seventy six into the care of David and his mother in law. In 1980, she got another job at a new slaughterhouse, and David and Catherine had another daughter together. In 1984, Catherine left David and moved in with her parents in Aberdeen, where she found work at another slaughterhouse, but injured her back and began collecting disability. In 1986, she met David Saunders, and the two began dating. They moved in together, and soon Catherine began to abuse Saunders, too. She became violent and jealous, and in 1987, she cut the throat of his puppy to remind him what would happen if he ever cheated on her. Fuck her. And knocked him unconscious with a frying pan. No. What a cliche. Yeah. You gotta quit. Somehow, they ended up having a baby. My so God. she has three kids now. Oh my God. Stop and they bought a house together in 1989. One night after an argument, Catherine hit Saunders with an iron in the face and then stabbed him with scissors in the stomach. <laughs> He moved. Guy. It's this is a new dude. Oh, it is. Yeah, she got she got she found another boyfriend. Oh, okay. is this woman beautiful? Uh, no. She is she, she is a beefcake. Like she's like she's a big beefy lady that like fights people. <laughs> if you just imagine the type of person who comes to their wedding on a motorcycle, that's what she looks okay, like. Okay, I got she it. A great cook. Yeah, you'll okay. We'll, okay, we'll get to okay. that. Okay. Oh, no, she's gonna cook somebody. Oh my god! So um, if she's gonna cook a puppy, I'm leaving. He moved uh. out. Saunders moved out shortly after that and never returned. With the scissors still in his gut. Yeah, he okay, like cool. immediately just like okay, you know maybe this isn't a good uh, situation. <laughs> so uh, Catherine tried to find him, but she couldn't. So she went to the police and filed a restraining order against Saunders. Yeah. And then, like, I guess he came back later to try and, like, visit his kid, but he wasn't able to because of the restraining order. <gasps> what a bitch. Oh, my God. So then, I'm so mad at this lady. Uh, between this time and, like, 1995, she, like, dated a couple other dudes and was, like, abusive to them, but, like, not, like, as crazy. But in 1995, she met John Price. He was a divorced father of three, and two of the children lived with him. Price knew of Catherine's violent reputation, but decided to let her move in anyways. His kids liked her uh, for some reason, and life was actually pretty okay for a while until Catherine asked Price to marry her. He declined, and she became angry and got him fired from his job by telling his boss that he stole from the company. He had been working there for 17 years. Oh, my God. He kicked Catherine out. Life ruiner. Yeah. He kicked her out the same day. But a few months later, started the relationship again. This time, he did not allow her to move in with him. The abuse from Catherine on Price continued until February of 2000, when Catherine stabbed Price in the chest. He kicked her out and got a restraining order uh, against her by the end of the month. 
That day at work, he mentioned to his coworkers that if he didn't come to work the next day, it was because Catherine killed him. They begged him not to go home, but he did anyway and found that his children had been sent to a friend's house by Catherine. She was not there when he got home, but she showed up later that night. They spent the evening watching TV together and eventually went to sleep. The next day, Price did not show up for work. Police were called, and when they arrived, they found blood on the front door. They broke into the home and found Catherine in a coma after overdosing on pills. Then they found John Price. He had been stabbed by Catherine while he slept, and when he realized what she'd done, he tried to make a run for it. She chased him through the house, and he made it out the front door before she caught him and dragged him back inside. She stabbed him at least 36 more times, and he bled out on the floor in the home. After he died, she skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook in the living room. Oh my god. She then decapitated him and harvested parts of his body, like he was an animal carcass at the slaughterhouse. She cooked the select cuts of price with pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and a baked potato with gravy. She set the dining room table with place cards at each chair, indicating the names of each of Price's children. His head was found boiling in a pot of vegetables on the stove, which was still warm. Catherine Knight was sentenced to life in prison on November 8, 2001, by Justice O'Keefe. He refused to fix a non-parole period and marked her papers with the words, never to be released. This was the first time this harsh of a punishment had been given to a woman in Australian history. She appealed for parole in June of 20, uh, 2006, but was denied. Fuck. The end. <laughs> what a brave girl. She was trying to serve him to his kids. <laughs> I love, she hung the skin up? In the living room, yeah. Okay, okay. And the head was in the pot? Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> With vegetables. And it was still warm when the police got there. So, Out of all that? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, all right, all right. What, right, what all kind right. of gravy was it? Was it... Was it was, pe- was it people gravy? gravy? Probably, I'm not sure. Can I be the name of the episode? People, people gravy. gravy. Ew, oh, that, that sounds gross. <laughs> sexual. Oh yeah, it does. Shit, my bad. <laughs> I do that a lot. I don't understand. Too late. I decided. Uh, that story was the best. That was a great story. That was a really Krista. good one. Thank How you. you. Fucking find these. God damn it. Yeah, I don't that's know. Insane. How'd you find that? I don't. I it was on my list. I have like a list if I come across like interesting names. I literally just this is what I'm gonna do, and then I do it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you, boy. Thank you, boy. The long boy. She she must have had a great personality. Uh, I can't wait to post the picture of her of her. <laughs> what what was her name again? Let's all be her Mary for Catherine. Halloween. She looked oh. like a like a like a lunch lady at like a Hell not yeah. so good Let's school. Let's all be her for Halloween. <laughs> Ding. Well, all right, Australia. <laughs> should we uh plug, plug our stuff? stuff? Uh, sure. Yeah, we should make a song for plugging our stuff. Stuff. <laughs> because we have sounds fake but okay dab yeah we should do like luciano 
Like, like, yeah, let's see. Like to um, do something like that for us, Luciana. Um, plug our stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ding. Yeah, put it right here. Plugging our stuff. Plug a plug a plug. No. No. I'm not a musician. <laughs> there is it. There it is. Plug. Is there a dog in here? Chester's Our actually stuff? getting Ding. babysat right now, so Aww. we don't have any interruptions. Yeah, there's no dog sounds, if you noticed, because Eric is downstairs petting the puppies. He's Shout out to Eric. sleeping Thank or you. watching TV. But. <laughs> you the man, Eric. All right, so our stuff is, our Gmail is bravegirlspodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send in your spooky stories for our Campfire Tale episodes. Do it. What kind of stories do we look for, you guys? Vampires. What, what the, Bigfoot what is real, and he tried to eat my ass. Specifically that. If you, I don't want to hear any other stories. Yeah. If Bigfoot tried to eat your ass, please tell us. We want to know about it. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that. Anything weird or unexplainable, anything scary. Did you play with a Ouija board and then stuff, spooky stuff started happening in your house and then the devil came inside of your body? (laughs) Girl, what? Stop, Lindsay. I didn't mean it like that. People gravy. I did not mean it like that. The devil's gravy. The devil's gravy. The devil's gravy. Ew, you guys are the nasty ones. You're nasty. What? I really did not mean it like that, I swear. It doesn't matter what you meant. It's in your mind. No, it's not. You guys are the one that's like, ew, I was just trying to be like funny. Like, not like that, though. You know what? I'm leaving. Let's wrap this up. I'm a well, good it girl. It's like 1.30 in the morning. Okay. I'm a child of God. <laughs> so send in <laughs> your scary stories. Uh, we have an Instagram. It's uh, Brave Girls Podcast. We have a Twitter. It's Brave Girls Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Brave Girls Pod. Or Brave, Brave Girls, Girls Club, Club Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Check it out. We have a Patreon. Please feel free to give. We're not going to stop you. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, review. Yes. Oh, also, Kyle said that we should say um, what day of week we uh, post. So episodes are posted every Thursday. Yep, every Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Yep. yep. So look review for us, us on Thursdays. Yeah. Review, review us and give us money and follow us on junk. Yeah, and send us stories. And send us stories. We're so needy. Oh my god, we need you to do all of these things, please. Now, thank you. You do ninety percent of the work. We just sit on the floor. Don't don't bother listening to us anymore. (laughs) Okay. Well, Mike is also growling. (laughs) So uh, let's go to Mickey D's and have a party, (laughs) and let's get the fuck out of here because it's one o'clock in the morning. Mike drop. And we've been talking for a billion hours. It's been like two and a half hours. This is a thicky, a long boy. Thick. She thick. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Bye, guys. Stay brave and bye. Uh.